Another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your place for all the video game news, in-depth analysis, commentary, and funny stuff. Like Alexa Ray Korea. I'm funny stuff. And Brittany Brombacher. <laughs> you are funny stuff, but in a good and way. And rounding out the funny stuff is Christine Steimer. <laughs> Hi, I agree. Alexa's funny stuff. No. I mean, sometimes I attempt to be funny, but really, you guys are the funny part of this show. Oh, yeah, we need a straight oh. man, right? I'm just the person asking the questions, <laughs> trying to keep it on the rails. Last week, we no rails. off the rails. We appreciate you hanging in there for almost three hours of podcast. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot we going on. Um, couldn't even week, see the a rails. A little bit lighter. Last week. Wait, wait, what was that, Steimer? I said we couldn't even see the rails last week. We were so no. far gone. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The rails weren't even in our purview no um this week because we are shooting a little bit early because of the holiday and because it's a relatively light news week we probably won't have as much to talk about i say now two hours later i'll be like oh my god you guys gotta wrap this up um before we get started um i have a couple things that i want to make sure you guys are aware of first we decided to launch a specialty holiday line of apparel. Woo! So if you head on over to teespring.com slash what's good holiday, you'll see our awesome holiday design created by the hashtagonist. We think that he is wonderful and thank you for that great Truth. design. Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it in four different types of uh, styles. And again, that's teespring so t-e-e spring.com slash what's good holiday um we have put it out on social media but in case you guys missed it uh we did get a few isolated um cases of people letting us know that they had some misprints with their merchandise if for some reason you have not been able to get that resolved in your own we would love to help you expedite that you can email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com with your info they discovered there was some kind of um, technical problem in our vector image file that was causing a color misprint. So hopefully that won't happen anymore. But we want to make sure that if you did get one of those misprints, that you get uh, a proper how dare they a proper piece of apparel <laughs> misprinting our vectors. I know. Technology, those, get out of town. Those people, but they've been really good about making sure. And we know that some of you have been having trouble on your own. So we would love to help you uh, fast track that. As I mentioned, um, also. We have a couple cool pieces of content that are out this week for our lovely, amazing, wonderful patrons. We have our Patreon exclusive video, which you can get for just $1 a month, less than the price of a cup of coffee. You can get access to us making wonderful, beautiful hand turkeys. (laughs) Um, It gets a little busy. There's glue involved, and somebody's googly eyes are are looking at somebody 
somebody else. I had a very <laughs> lustful hand turkey. Let's just say. Let's just say. So if you'd like to take a look at that video, um, you can check that out. Um, we will be posting that. It should be posted by the time this video goes live. And we also have our holiday. Well, no, the holiday one is next month. What am mm-hmm. I thinking of? Our Patreon secret segment which is all about previous jobs. So on our most recent After Hour stream, or maybe it was the Happy Hour q and I can't it, remember which it one. It was during the, uh, yeah, it was during the After Hour stream. Uh, we were talking about, I briefly mentioned something about what, uh, a story about one of my past jobs and it kind of gave us this idea to fully elaborate and hear from everybody about some weird past jobs we have. So that is the secret segment this month. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, that is also available um, in our secret segment tier at patreon.com slash what's good games. Plus, Britt and I got the opportunity to play Battle Chef Brigade with Tom Eastman, the president of Trinket Studios, uh, that Let's Play is available at youtube.com slash what's good games. We're going to talk about it a little bit in the hands-on segment, in segment two of the show. And also, we have two special pieces of content. One, um, I did uh, five great gifts for the gamer on your list uh, with eBay. That is a, an eBay-sponsored video on the eBay YouTube channel. Um, I picked a couple things there that I thought would be fun gifts. And then we also did a special video, me, Steimer, and Brit. Now, this is not video game-related content. Our patrons know that we like to talk about non-video game stuff in a lot of our Patreon-exclusive content. But um, we got the opportunity to partner up with Match, the Match dating app. Oh, boy. To do a video about first date advice and um, kind of, you know, stories about first dates. And so that piece of content is on our YouTube channel as well. So if you guys want to check that out, um, it's pretty cool. And good news, if you guys are interested in trying out the Match app, we can get you a seven-day free trial, match.com slash WGG. That'll get you seven whole days to swipe around. You know you're going to be bored at some point this Thanksgiving holiday weekend. <laughs> you know, you might Why need someone to cuddle right with after people. all that turkey. Yeah, so if you want to browse some people, upload some information about yourself, maybe find love. My good friend, Jeff Kanata, actually got married through Match. His wife, they met on, on Match.com. So if you guys are interested, again, that link, Match.com slash WGG. Match.com slash WGG gets you that free seven-day trial okay we've been busy we, we sure have, have. <laughs> but uh you f- forgot to plug one thing what go to the gameawards.com and vote <gasps> yes. for miss andrew renee for trending gamer oh, yeah, yeah you still got like a week you know trendria you know what was interesting we actually have a week and a half the voting closes on december 6th i didn't know that if you just google a trending gamer vote you can do it on your phone you can do it on your computer just type in trending gamer vote um there's an auto it auto populates the vote you can just click on my face and bam <laughs> click on her face day. and click you can click on her face you can vote every day you guys you can vote every single day you on every vote, device you have you can vote through your facebook account at the gameawards.com or you can vote uh by googling trending gamer vote so do or it both. do it do it i'll find yeah. you if you don't we will Trust all me, hunt you down. Find you. She'll roundhouse kick you. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, okay, I think that is enough for the plugs and stuff we have going on. But hopefully you guys check out some of that extra content. We've been working hard to bring it to you. Um, okay, so it's time to talk about some news. So as I mentioned, it's a pretty light news week since we're recording the show a little bit early. And also not much is going on. But 
Animal Crossing Pocket <laughs> Camp launched this week. So it was supposed to launch on Wednesday and it um, launched worldwide a day early on Tuesday and already Alexa Ray is killing insects. Oh my God. I just was, <laughs> we were starting this podcast and I'm just sitting there like catching bugs. I'm like, um, I, okay, so I need you ladies to explain to me what is the shtick with Animal Crossing. I've never played. Wait, so I wait, need this me neither. Too. I have also never okay, played. Okay, so you, so Alexa. So, oh man! Oh, <laughs> damn it! Um. So wait. So so the. <laughs> okay. So while you organize your thoughts in Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, players manage their own campsite. They can personalize and build up both their character and their campsite, which they decorate with a variety of buildings and furniture. Furniture can be crafted through collectibles, and the system works by visiting nearby recreation sites, doing favors for animal inhabitants, and collecting rewards. After that, players can head on over to the Alpaca Blacks. Miss Cyrus with their new crafting materials to create furniture. Different animals and different furniture preferences, so creating and decorating the campsite with their ideal pieces will entice them to come visit the campsite and increase their players' friendship level. There's a That's a new feature for the series, and players can now keep an eye on how much an animal likes them. This is I've, just a small description of what you can do in Pocket Camp. I've purposefully stayed away from the series because it sounds like something that would consume my life. It just sounds uh, girl, too addictive. Little Miss Farming, farming Games? Yeah. Yeah, little Animal Crossing. But it makes me me mad because you would well, you would love you would love this shit. Like this is no, that's the problem. Is is I would love it too much. Goodbye, life. Are you afraid you would spend another eight hundred dollars on something like this? Probably, I probably would, but that's fine. I'm not worried about it. Alexa, man, I wish I could not be worried about that. (laughs) I I haven't spent any money yet. I've I've spent no money yet. Um, and I was late and checking in on my husbandos today because I was playing. Um, so the animal crushing stick is you're the only like humanoid thing in a world filled by, um, uh, uh animals and the animals like, like anthropomorphic talk like people. Animals. They're, they're an- right anthropomorphic animals. Yes. Yes. Anthropomorphic animals. And you're, and you arrive. So in the latest animal crossing, which is similar to all previous animal crossings, you arrive at a place and it's like you're new in town and they make you the mayor and they're like this is your town so you can <laughs> build new structures can in you your town you just walk into a town and they're like you we think you're the you're mayor, the mayor now, now. <laughs> like what um and in case you're like me and you're like anthropomorphic what is that word uh, i looked it up for you it means relating to or characterized by anthropomorphism thanks dictionary <laughs> what that basically means is having human characteristics yes so these animals walk on two feet and some of them are sassy and some of them are creepy and they you basically just hang out with them so you're building a town um, building a town, you're walking around, shaking trees and collecting collecting fruit, catching bugs, uh, picking up shellfish, fishing, basically light farming elements. And you can buy furniture for your house and you build out the inside of your house. Um, and you build out your town and you make friends with these animals and have interactions with them. And you basically run this little town. And that's the Animal Crossing shtick. Um, they did a spin... New Leaf was... New Leaf, Animal Crossing New Leaf, which came out a couple of years ago in 3DS, was super popular. So they made a spinoff called Happy Home Designer, where you just designed homes for other animals. And Pocket Camp is sort of similar in that you are catering to the whims of the anthropomorphic animals around you in hopes of befriending them. So in Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, you are making a campsite. And the goal is to build things to put into your campsite that will attract other animals. And when they come over and they hang out with you, like you, you get rewarded em. for... Yeah, you get rewarded for hanging out with them and making friends with them. And that's sort of like a... 
it's that that element is very much like Neko Atsume with that cat collecting game that came out on mobile uh, last year. So you're collecting friends instead of cats, although some of them might be cats. This sounds like Viva Pinata uh, to me. Like you like no make one's your banging. garden to like attract the people yeah. and they come and then they make friends and then they have little babies yeah. and it's great. Well, well, no one's making any babies in this well, game. They should no add it's that. very much G <laughs> or E E for everyone. It's very much like a kids game. No banging. Um, okay, no husbandos either. Pinata was very much a kids game. Oh no, I'm talking about Animal Crossing. Oh no, I know, but I'm saying no. Viva like, Pinata. They, there was banging. Bang, it was, yeah. I mean, like it was just a mini game. You do a nice dance and babies pop out. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Animal Crossing has, uh, so it has a structure similar to Fire Emblem Heroes in that they're sort of daily quests. They're called goals, where it's like catch five fish, talk to five animals, bring in one new animal, use some honey to catch flies, whatever. Um, and you're building your own space and collecting friends. That's like, that's it boiled down to its absolutely like base level. And you can sp- spend in-game tickets to speed up the crafting of the items you need so you're not waiting you just have them immediately um and you can spend those tickets on like other stuff too uh that's where the real world money comes in you can literally like buy buy more tickets and then speed up everything so you don't have to wait for anything to regenerate you don't have to wait for things to be crafted you can just have it all right away and the faster things are built the faster animals come and visit your place so it's like animal crossing boil down to its like simplest elements and put on your phone with the ability for you to pay more money for it. That sounds but you can play everything familiar. for free. That's yeah. Not a new like, mechanic. Yeah. But I've been playing for like maybe eight hours or so and I haven't spent any money at the in-game currency you can get pretty easily if you just like do stuff. I haven't found myself waiting for anything really. So I don't really know what wall I'll hit that will make me start paying money. Because I'm no, I don't have to like. Oh, it is no husbandos sure. that I want. It's there. I'll, when I find it, you're doing this right now. You're just like slowly reaching in the dark, like trying to not <laughs> slam into it. Yeah, and you can make your character look like you too. Are you enjoying think, it? Are you having fun with it? I mean, yeah. It's I'm got like super addictive personality and like stuff that's just like complete this task, collect this reward. Um, so like it's fun. It's really really great. I don't know how long it'll keep my attention. But a lot of people really love Animal Crossing, so they are sure. all over this shit. I'm excited to download this and try it because I've never played an Animal Crossing, but it seems like a game I would like. But I just have never had like a 3DS or any of the other things that mm-hmm. the games came out on. If there, if one comes to Switch, I'll play that. But here we are, yeah. so I guess I'll just download this when we're done recording. I kind of think that this is going to go the way of Mitomo. Um I think a lot of people are going to get very excited and download this game right away and then a bunch of people are going to be like, mm, "I'm good." And then they're going to stop playing. <laughs> That's going to be me. Gonna ha- Yeah, I think it's going to have longer legs um than Mitomo. I don't think it's going to have as long of legs as a game like Pokemon Go has, or Fire Emblem Heroes. But I think that, you know, it has the potential to be successful, but I feel like it's only going to be hot right now. And then it's just everyone's going to stop talking about it in like two weeks. If if they have the update, the update schedule and the new content edition schedule that Fire Emblem has, like Fire Emblem gets new stuff every week and every month there's like a monthly event and every week you get new quests, new story or something or whatever. Um, so if they add, add a bunch of new stuff that people want, like 
yes, I can see people coming back to it. But if it's if this is the game and that's it, and they're not going to be adding stuff in regularly, then I can mm-hmm. see where drop off would happen. But Fire yeah. Emblem is selling you a horny casino. I know Fire Emblem gives me pretty pictures of boys to look at, and when they get hit too many times, their clothes fly off. Fly off. I mean, like that's kind of the incentive all on its own, right? Yes. Uh, Their clothes fly off. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's no clothes flying off an Animal Crossing, (laughs) but if you want, you can download it for your iOS or Android device while you're listening to this show. Um, All right. Moving on to the next story. We'll check in with you on your Animal Crossing antics next week. Um, Belgium has said that loot boxes are indeed gambling. And wants them banned in Europe. (gasps) According to PC Gamer, last week Belgium's Gaming Commission announced that it had launched an investigation into whether loot boxes available for purchase in games like Overwatch and Star Wars Battlefront 2 constitute a form of gambling. Today, VTM News reported that the ruling is in and the answer is yes. The Google translation is a little sloppy, as usual, but the message is clear enough. Quote, the mixing of money and addiction is gambling, end quote. The Gaming Commission declared Belgium's Minister of Justice, Cohen Geens, also weighed in saying, quote, mixing gambling and gaming, especially at a young age, is dangerous for the mental health of the child, end quote. Geens, according to the report, wants to ban in-game purchases outright. Correction, if you don't know exactly what you're purchasing. And not just in Belgium. He said the process will take time because we have to go to Europe. We certainly... We will certainly try to ban it. So this is an interesting wrinkle um, into the whole loot box and microtransaction debate. And I know are this you isn't out a wrinkle. There right now? It's listening? a fold. It's, oh. oh my <laughs> god! A card no, no, <laughs> no. This is like this is more than a wrinkle. This is like someone took the blanket and lit it on fire. Like, well, it's- <laughs> hold on, hold on. Belgium is a relatively small country. Yes, and as far as the but- amount of volume of video games being sold in Belgium. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's not probably moving the needle in a very meaningful way. It doesn't matter. Unless they (laughs) succeed in taking it to all of Europe. Yes. Right. Right. So here's the thing. Um, These kinds of laws are not something that are going to be universal across every country. Um, There are very specific laws. Germany, for example, has their own very specific laws about things. The UK has their own laws. Um, So I think it's important to remember that this is just one country. However, you know, there was a French um, legislator that also had come forward to say, you know, we need to identify if if this is gambling or not. Here's the thing um, that I think it's important to remember. Um, The moment that we get the government involved in the legislation or the laws and legalities around video games, the more difficult it is for everybody, which is why previously on the show, when we talked about when the ESRB, the um, electronic software ratings board that exists here um, in the United States and North America um, has classified them as not gambling. We said that it's a good thing that the ESRB exists because self regulation means we can keep the government out of video games because we don't want them in video games. We want video games to be self-regulatory. So I think this is problematic for a number of reasons. First, 
There's no universal loot box or microtransaction system. Every game utilizes it differently, and some are more honest than others. However, I don't think that they should ha- not have any oversight. I'm, a, I'm in favor of things like what China is doing, where they're not banned. They just have to publicly display what the drop rates are for these, mm-hmm. for these boxes. Saying, oh, hey, are you going to buy that skin loot box in Overwatch? Well, you should know that the drop rate for legendary items is 1 in 75 or whatever the numbers are, right? I think something like that is kind of like a nice happy medium between allowing the transactions to exist for people who are interested in them but also having transparency to say now you know exactly what the odds are if you put your money in just like when you buy a lottery ticket you know what the odds are of you actually winning something um but i want to hear from the rest of the ladies Britt, what do you what do you feel about this I agree with you. I would rather we keep this all self-regulated. I feel like there are some easy solutions to these shenanigans that would quiet a lot of people. Put a disclaimer on your box. Put a disclaimer somewhere and um, expose R and Jesus and give those numbers. (laughs) R and Jesus is a sham. (laughs) And then I think, you know, this would die down a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see what, if any, long-term effect this uh, ruling has in all of the world. Yeah, or if it's just Belgium. Right. If Belgium's going like, to have their little... They're going to have their little flag. <laughs> they're going to be like... Their little blanket that's on fire, as Alexa Ray called it. Yeah. yeah. So, Alexa, why do you think this is... Uh, you clearly think this is a bigger deal than I think it is. No, that's why I called it a blanket on fire, because you... Because exactly what you said, like, we don't want the government getting their paws in our video games. Yeah. We need them to stay out. We've been doing okay. Um, I just We self-regulate like, with hate comments. We self-regulate. We're okay. <laughs> I just think that, like, like the whole, the whole microtransaction thing, like, some games do it really well and nobody has complained, like Overwatch. Like, I think Overwatch is pretty, pretty transparent and pretty balanced in terms of what it gives you for how much you pay. When you go into it, but like, or like the quality of the things that you get, I feel like these games that are just like, and we're going to slap a price tag on everything and make everything unlockable after a bajillion hours, like the games that are clearly getting a little greedy or maybe miss the mark with their balancing, like Shadow of War, like Battlefront 2, I think are missing the mark and have the potential to like ruin it for everybody. And I know it's impossible to get every single company to agree on a on a like unified solution for dealing with like microtransactions but like maybe we should all just put a little more time into putting them together and again like displaying what's in it or like percentages or like making sure that if you buy a box and there's five items in it everyone gets at least one rare item or something if they're spending ten dollars on it or twenty dollars on it or whatever Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know we haven't had the show since the big news from EA came down, but um, you couldn't have possibly missed that they did indeed uh, take the microtransactions out of that game. And now a lot of people are worried about them coming back. And then Need for Speed also had an adjustment to microtransactions in their game. Um, I think the whole idea of microtransactions is clearly running amok right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
there is a way to do them successfully. We just need to rein back the greediness that's happening. So I, I, I in case you guys missed it, I did an interview with the CBC, a Canadian news outlet that that um, also aired on NPR about about these transactions. And you know, I, I think my my biggest takeaway there was that there's a fine line between funding game development and ongoing live services through microtransactions, like a game like Rocket League does, for example. And then there's a difference between adding in transactions and in-game content purely to drive profits. And clearly we're seeing too many publishers now falling on the side of profits over, right. over content. Um, and I think that we need to get back to the other side where it feels good. You know, I, I thought there was a really great thread that I, I posted that, um, t- that Rami had posted on Twitter, which you can find, I believe on my Twitter account talking about a dev who works on microtransactions and how they kind of like the idea that a few people can provide a p- access to a piece of art by a few whales paying a lot of money and then a lot of other people pay for free. I think he said something like 2% of free-to-play users actually spend money on games, which was a crazy number to me. I thought it would have been way higher than that and that 98% of people don't spend money. I am the 2%. And when you... So is Brittany. I'm also the 2%, right? So like... I'm the other 98%. That, get out of here. <laughs> You're in the 98%? I am. <laughs> But what's crazy about that is that I assume that that number was much higher. And for how many people are outraged on the internet, it sure yeah. sounds like it's a lot higher. But I think it's important to know that that thread was in particular about free-to-play games and not about these $60 to $100 right. games who are adding in transactions. But I bet, um, I bet, I will bet good money that those, that micro, that Battlefront 2 either does not reinstate its microtransactions or they come back like super duper duper baby ass limited baby ass baby like bold. super limited like buy some crystals for 99 cents and like that's it i bet i they they can't like disney sent their flying monkeys after them there's no way that they're gonna ramp it back up to the l- level yeah, it was before it won't be <laughs> yeah no and it's always the vocal i can hear myself talking and it's strange um there's always a vocal minority right who causes like the biggest stink and for everyone who is complaining about the microtransactions and blah 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 i believe in uk it still debuted at number two so it's like i think call of duty is still holding the number one spot in the uk charts but it's like okay like obviously there's a shit of ti- shit was a tire fire a tire fire going on and everyone has this big, oh, it's never going to do well. It's going to fail, blah, blah, blah. But it debuts at number two. So it's like, hey, it's take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah, Many I think it's interesting only because something that we'd mentioned earlier is like, um, technically, trading cards still exist. And trading cards are very much aimed at kids. And that's money and that's addiction. So technically, according to this definition, that is gambling. So, like, are you also going after that? Is it because that there's technically a third-party route there where you could buy unwanted cards off of other people? Like, is that what makes it okay? Like, what's the line here? Um, Can of worms. I know, right? All of the worms. They are everywhere. Every worm. We're in a pool full of worms. Someone opened it. It's... I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we should get the government involved. That's kind of like my bottom line here. Like, stay out of my video games. I yeah. do think, like, I, I, I made, it, I made the joke, but like, I do think this is one of the few industries that does self-regulate with its community. Yeah, 
Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, we, we will let you know for worse. We will let you know our opinions. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. Our uh, last story uh, for this week is the SNES Classic has outsold the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Nintendo what? followed up its stellar <laughs> September by taking the top two spots in the U.S. hardware sales charts yet again in October. The company announced the Nintendo Switch was the top-selling game console in the U.S. during the month of October, followed by the Super NES Classic Edition, according to data from the retail tracking firm NPD Group. Now, that's an inversion of September when the SNES Classic came in ahead of the Switch. Either way, Nintendo continues to outdo Sony and Microsoft. Switch has outsold the PS4 and Xbox One every month from July onward. And in both September and October, Nintendo's hardware performance, including the 3DS, accounted for two-thirds of all U.S. gaming hardware sales, which surpassed one million units the first time that has happened in October since 2011. Does anyone know, does the PS4 Pro count as its own SKU on MPD, or is it bundled in with, like, PlayStation 4? And same with Xbox. That is an excellent question. Hmm. I think I know someone who might have the answer, but I probably won't be able to follow up with it until next week's show. (laughs) Just because, and, like, there's technically, like, Xbox One, there's Xbox One S... There's Xbox Let One me send X. a text message to see if I can get an answer to that question for you. Um, but I think this is interesting, not only because obviously like the SNES Classic has been dominating the news for the last three months. It's like pre-orders are canceled and now they're back on and now they're canceled again and now they're shipping late and oh my gosh, they're everywhere and oh my gosh, they're nowhere. Now they're back. Um, they're everywhere now. And they're, and they're on my five grade gifts for the gamer on your list as well. Um, but here's the thing. November, I think, is going to be the interesting month. Clearly, there were not that many games in September and October that were driving hardware sales for the other two consoles. For the most part, people who were buying games probably already were established in that console ecosystem. However, Super Mario Odyssey came out. There were a bunch of Switch bundles. Not surprising that we saw a lot of hardware uh, being pushed in the month of October for Nintendo, Nintendo Switch taking the top spot. That's why November is going to be interesting because we've got the Xbox One X, which was reported to be selling quite well during its launch window earlier this month. And then we've got Black Friday sales in the mix, which oh, will That's see discounts on PS4 bundles. Today is Black Friday when you're listening to this. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you went out last night and bought yourself a console. Or you're listening to this in line somewhere. Maybe. Um, and then there's also a bunch of Xbox One S bundles that are happening. And then, of course, you know, Switch is out there, but I haven't seen any Black Friday deals that are discounting Switch. So um, I don't and I don't anticipate we're going to see that. So I I'm kind of feeling like Xbox is going to take November from Nintendo. But I do think it's impressive that they were able to, you know, come out strong. Makes me happy. I was Depends more like, wow, that means that there were there were enough class SNES classics to even like make it to the top of this list. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Good Nintendo's job. getting their stuff together. I love Nintendo. I've said this many times. I don't agree with a lot of their business decisions, but lately I feel like they're they're kind of they're on the right track. And they're I'm learning. happy to see that uh, these numbers are doing well. It's great to see some of the, their games in the game of the year discussions. It's it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Go Nintendo. Rah, rah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm going to let the listeners know that in our show notes, Brittany put oh, an someone drew a dick of a <laughs> stick and then Andrea just did a butt. <laughs> Hey, we're we're keeping it classy over here at What's Good Game. <laughs> Don't we always? Okay. okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for news this week. As I mentioned, um, pretty light. Um, apologies if we miss a news story that breaks later in the week. But you don't come here for the breaking news. You come here for the hot takes, the analysis, and the hands-on commentary, which we're going to get to next, right after this short break. Go ahead, get a beverage. It's going to be a good one. We'll see you in a minute. This episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by TakeThis.org. Take This AFK rooms are mental health first aid for conventions worldwide. And without the psychomancers, they'd just be empty space. Since 2014, Take This has been sending psychomancers to conventions worldwide, trained in the art of mental health first aid. Psychomancers create safe, welcoming spaces for people dealing with mental health issues and can help guide people in distress to the help they need. Between training, insuring, flying, lodging, and feeding our psychomancers, Take This spends over tens of thousands of dollars a year to help thousands of people dealing with mental health issues at conventions all over the world. And the psychomancers need your help to keep flying. Visit the Take This Patreon at patreon.com slash takethisorg to learn more about the Psychomancer Project and how you can help bring help, healing, and hope to people around the world. Become a sponsor of the Take This AFK Rooms, staffed with psychomancers, stuffed with hope. Patreon.com slash takethisorg. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. On the break, some interesting topics were discussed. <laughs> some of them <laughs> oh, good, my for wine the podcast. Refilled some itself. of them not. Uh, one of them safe for the podcast. All of the people responding to Alexa Ray's very intriguing theory about mario and super mario odyssey is he dead or not if you missed last week's show alexa had a pretty fleshed out theory about what happens to to mario in this game and what (laughs) allows cappy to exist um so what are people saying they agree or don't agree for the most part do people agree or not people are just like they're like oh my god like i can't play this game now i can't look at this game the same way because like I don't want to spoil anything about the end game because we're still in that like one month period where it's not polite to spoil the end game. Well, also, I would be mad at the end you. game really ever. Right? right. But there are places you go and things that you do that people are like, oh, my God, this makes total sense. This is so screwed up. And I did mention in my theory, uh, Luigi's not there. Yoshi's not there. Uh, and a bunch of other characters that you never see. Apparently, one of those characters is there as people on Twitter have called out and I went and I found him. Mm-hmm. He's there. So I apologize for that error. I just didn't look hard enough. I'm a stupid baby, stupid person. And I apologize for the oh, misinformation. Um, but as for the, the theories, like I've been getting some people being like, he's not dead, but he's, I've gotten one. The one that I, I just read today is uh, that he's actually uh, Mario is an interdimensional being like the stranger things monster. Ooh. And he can, and that's why he's like moving through all of these weird places. I've gotten theories that he was always dead to begin with since like the first Mario ever. And that Cappy has been his hat the entire time. He's just been quiet about it. Huh. And so he's just been, this Cap has been keeping him alive because he knew that the Mushroom Kingdom needed a savior. 
So he huh. forced him to retire from his plumbing job. And that's why he's not a plumber anymore and has just been keeping his body <laughs> animate and from decomposing for like Is this- 35, 30 years, however long he's been around. Is this like, wow. like like Pikachu just all of a sudden randomly fucking talking and you're like, hey, by the way, your hat's been a ghost this whole time. This entire time. People have brought up, I read up a, I wrote an article a couple of weeks back because I was feeling really bored and sassy one day um, about how terrible, like what, how, what Cappy's presence, the, the implications of Cappy's presence on the wider Mario mythos. Because he, if he's a ghost and he's possessing things, he's I'm not using the word captured. You can't make me Nintendo. I'm not <laughs> what using if it from Nintendo, like busted in Kool Aid Man style, and threw a like, hat at you and said captured. You mean like my roommate every day who corrects me every time I say this? Does she <laughs> Kool Aid Man through the walls? My roommate. Well, maybe my roommate works for Nintendo and she corrects me like every time I say possessed. She's like, it's captured. He's capturing. It's called capture, and I'm like. No, it's and you were like you are on brand, girl. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but shout out. I know you listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, people have brought up like I like I brought this up in my article. And people have been talking about it. So if he's a ghost and he can possess things, like is he a special type of ghost or like what does that mean for the booze? Because there's like any ghost bo- can. There's like a bajillion you. booze. All these booze in Super Mario Odyssey, and they float around, but they can't get you because <laughs> you're they, already but, possessed. They can't get you if you're looking at them, though, right? So, so one, can all of these booze have this possession power, and have they just not discovered it yet? And two, since someone else brought this up, and I forgot to write down their Twitter name, and I'm so sorry, and if this is you, please let me know that you sent me this theory. The reason the booze, this is the Mario's always dead theory, the reason the booze can't look you in the eye when you turn to look at them is because you are too dead and you've been dead this entire time and they can't look the abomination that is like you like you being dead in the eye like they can't look you in the eye because you are also dead so when you turn around so when you turn around to look at them they're like oh no this abomination is still walking around and they are just so like you outrank them this animate corpse mario is uh, outranks them in like boo scariness or something and that's why that they can't when maybe booze them, are just scared of Cappy. Come after you. Or maybe they're that was another one. That was another one I got. That they're that Cappy is like one of these ultimate ghost beings and they can't look at Cappy because he's scarier than all of them. Okay. I've gotten all of that. Okay, okay. <laughs> hold, hold hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what does it mean? Brett and I are like snickering over here, being like, this is fucking ridiculous. No, and it's I'm impossible. just like no. tossing a little fuel to the fire. No, it's great. My question Nobody though is like, can impossible. you just enjoy quirky games with without like trying to find a meaning? And this is an honest question. Like I'm like, okay, Nintendo's a quirky company. Mario's a plumber, not really anymore. There are weird creatures that shouldn't exist. Things just happen in this world that aren't normal. Do you ever like allow yourself just to play the game and not like overanalyze things, or is that just the way you're wired? Brittany, you know I get hung up on weird shit. I <laughs> what was the thing I was hung up on before Cappy? What was it? Pokemon. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It was it, oh yeah? It was the Sandcastle oh, Pokemon. The sandcastle, I get yeah. hung up. I get I get hung up on weird shit, and I can't just enjoy a video game. I love it. I have to overanalyze it until it makes me want to backflip off the earth. <laughs> Wait, you said you were going to backflip off the earth. Oh, if PUBG wins Game of the Year, if PUBG wins Game of the Year at the Game Awards, I will fly up out of my seat. I will be. So, I will just backflip right off the planet, <laughs> like like one of those glitching saber tooths from Skyrim. I'll just be gone. <laughs> 
That's it. That's it. Oh, God. But yeah, no, like, I appreciate everyone sending me your Mario theories and talking to me about it. I think it's really fun. I think it's really fun to speculate this stuff because Mario's been doing the same thing for like 30 years or his corpse has. So we'll figure this out. <laughs> you know, he's, he's been dead that long. Of- his corpse is remarkably well preserved. <laughs> That's yeah. why Peach won't like smooch him or anything because he's just an animate corpse because he smells real bad because he's been dead for 30 she's like you know what i would rather take the giant lizard man over you Uh, that's why his only friends are his brother and a dinosaur that he repeatedly abuses Uh oh poor you he also kind of abuses his brother he's not very nice to him no no he's not so anyway in addition to mario we played a bunch of other things (laughs) this week um, Brit, <clears throat> I saw you tweeted a photo for about Harvest Moon Light of Hope, but in the show notes you have wah. Yeah. Did I say that right? Did I did I encapsulate your wah correctly? Isn't that that was perfect. I can't say definitively because I'm only an hour and a half in. However, so I played this game at E3. I think I, I talked about it quite a bit yeah, on stage. Was this the, the disappointing harvest moon that you ha- experience you had yeah and i was like there's no way this game's releasing before the end of the year well lo and behold ladies and gentlemen here we are <laughs> and it had it released november 14th for pc it's coming to switch in ps4 um in early 2018 so i have played, been playing harvest moon you know since i was little i talk about it as much as andrea talks about destiny like it's like my thing um and it's so Uh, my gut reaction to this game is that Natsumi who, okay, Natsumi saw Stardew Valley. They saw the success of Stardew Valley and they said, hey, we haven't had a game on console since what, PlayStation 2 or the Wii. Like, there's an untapped market here. We have the Harvest Moon brand. We have the history with that. Let's put something out there and see how we do. And it's it's so unfortunate because the game feels so shallow and so dull and it's really dumbed down in the sense that it's like a one button does everything. You walk up to, I'm playing on PC, so I'm using the mouse. So you walk up to a plot of land, you click, okay, he tilled the soil, you click, okay, the seeds are planted, you click, and now it's watered. And that's it. And the whole premise is that you are on this island and there aren't people there because there was a storm and you have to restore the lighthouse and it's there's not a lot going on. The surroundings are just so bland. There's aren't that there aren't that many people to interact with, and it just feels so lifeless. And it's annoying. Not to mention, like within the first few minutes of playing, it's like you can click or you can tap on the screen. But I do not believe there's been any announcement of a, this coming to mobile. But clearly, it is. And so I think this game would be, and it's thirty dollars too. That's the the stick. That it's thirty bucks. Wait, it I, says you can tap on the screen. Yes. But obviously you can't because it's only released on Steam right now. Yeah, but you can, so, you, there are PC tablets or whatever or PC monitors where you can touch them. Okay, but I mean, I, I mean, don't, that's a very small I, percentage of people. I don't think you're thinking of that specifically. Right. right. And I mean, that's like a possibility. Something but, in the game that maybe wasn't supposed to be in the PC version. Perhaps. And yeah. like I said, I scoured the interwebs. And as of right now, I can't find any announcement of mobile anything. So it's like, okay, clearly this is coming to mobile at some point. And it, it, I think it would make a great mobile game, but just not a great console Harvest game. Harvest Moon game. 
Yeah, I mean, after like an hour and a half of playing Stardew Valley, like I'm usually, I should be buzzing by now. Like Stardew Valley, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to grow this. I'm going to go talk to this person. I'm going to go get these materials and then I'm going to try to get my first animal. And I'm like, okay, there's so much stuff to do. These games are my bread and butter. But with this one, I literally just walked away from it after an hour and a half. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Anyway. Do, um, because you said like you have to fix the lighthouse and then more people come. Like, are more people supposed to be coming to this town as you play? And is that where you will find your husbando? How do you know when you're done? Like, what, or do you even know? Yeah, that, that's the premise is, is you, you find these coin things, you put them in the lighthouse, more people are supposed to come. Um, but what I think, but even so, knowing that more people are coming, the first like hour and a half, I'm like, this is really bland. This is boring. Whereas in Stardew Valley, you know, it feels like there's a lot of heart, a lot of passion, a lot of thought and care going into this. And if you're going to release a game, a farming game on PC, knowing that Stardew Valley is out there, you should strive to at least be on par with that. And the characters are just so bland and they all sound the same. And it's just ugh. so I'm sad. However, I'm going to try to give it a few more hours. Maybe I'll have a drink. That might help me get through it. Drunk I hate Harvest saying Moon. this. I hate saying it, but it's the story of Season and Stardew Valley. Those are the, the real farming games, in my opinion. Rubber, Maybe rubber. this one's just a miss. Maybe, you know, they um, had intended it to be one style game and then it kind of got away from them. And then they were like, well, we're this far into it. And nobody came in to be like, maybe we should just ax it, right? Because sometimes that has to happen and it sucks when game development gets canceled, but if the end product is going to ultimately hurt the franchise, if it is part of a franchise, maybe that's the right call that they didn't make here. I mean, but it seems functional, right? It just isn't fun? It's a little buggy. It crashed once, which isn't a big deal. Um, It's just... If you've seen the graphics, it looks tablet-y or, or mobile-y, and the person runs. It's just, like, one static animation, and then, it like, instead of, like, having a turn animation, they kind of, like... I guess what I'm trying to say is it lacks polish. And normally, I would agree with you, Andrea, but what happened many years ago is Natsumi has the trademark to Harvest Moon, but the original creators of Harvest Moon split off, and now they're working for Xseed games. So that's why those Story of Season games are so well mm. done, is because those are the original dev- the original team. And Natsumi just has the trademark. So now they're just kind of putting out games under this Harvest Moon title. Um, and the past few haven't been that great either. And so I hope they find their footing. Um, but like I said, if you want that Harvest Moon experience, you got to go to Story Seasons because that is literally the same team making it. If, Interesting. <sighs> it's right. so poopy. I don't understand why they're still making them because localization is not cheap. Yeah, that, that, mm. I don't know. I've, I've seen um, Harvest Moon at every E3 like the past several years. They generally have something coming out, and every time I walk away feeling a little underwhelmed. Um, well, I'm but- guessing that they probably have some kind of legal agreement that in order to retain the license they paid for, they have to put out X amount of games. That's usually how licenses work in order to like maintain your ownership. You don't just pay a fee and are like, okay, you get it. Part of the terms usually mean you have to put out X amount of games because they don't want to just sell the license to someone and then have someone park on it, right? Um so at least that's what's happened with other licensing deals that I'm aware of. That's really disappointing to hear. Um, I hope that they can turn it around mm-hmm. or if at the very least, you know, if they decide that they aren't going to continue, like, I mean, make it a mobile game then. If that's yeah. the style of game you want to make, like, go for it, you know? Slash but, the price, put it on mobile, and I think you'll have yeah. something acceptable. But $30 for this, it's like, mm. Anyway. 
Well, I'm sorry that you aren't having a good time. Steimer, are you having a better time playing games this week? Yeah, I am. So uh, at your house, we were all yeah. cozied up. Like, So John and I were playing Mario Odyssey on our Switches. It was pretty cute. They both had their Switches on the couch, and I was playing Frozen Wilds on the TV. You basic Aww. Switches. We were adorable <laughs> and uh, almost missed my flight. <laughs> True story. No. <laughs> it was like one of those things where I was like, I asked, I think Andrea a question about something else. And then I happened to catch the microwave time. And I was like, is that right? Is it, is it 430? Cause like we got to go. <laughs> it was like, oops, we've just been like, went into video game world for a little bit too long. Um, but I haven't gotten to any of like the weird places that Alexis talked about yet. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> for Mario. Uh, I'm in new donk city. So like, yes. Yeah. Um, but then I finished Battlefront 2 last night. Ooh. I, it was one of those things where I actually kind of had to like force myself to keep like to, to like finish it. Um, and then I eventually like turned on some music and played it. And then that was better. Although I do think I actually liked the ending. Like I think that the ending leaves something interesting. I will obviously won't say what it is, but like it, it was an interesting premise slash hook. Um, and I was like, oh, Okay, well, it's like, supposed to be set between episode seven and episode eight, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know the Star Wars. It's, so it's I don't episode. Know. No, it's episode six so and episode eight because it begins. Right. So it begins after the last Jedi. Oh, excuse me. After the return of the Jedi. It begins as the final Death Star. It begins on the Battle of Endor. So it starts right, right at the end of the movie. And then the pro- the the progress has you through episode seven and then you see some characters from episode seven who i won't say um and then you um kind of like go beyond what happens in episode seven leading into episode eight yeah that's the part i found interesting for obvious reasons (laughs) yeah but the (laughs) gameplay um i know it's there's been conflicting reports my experience so far with the Battlefront 2 campaign has been I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the diversity of gameplay. However, I'm not I haven't played enough of it to the point where it's gotten too disjointed, which has been its main criticism from people that I've talked to that didn't like it. How did you feel about the multiple protagonists? I don't mind multiple protagonists. What I but I did find it was a little jolting sometimes. Like it was like you're this character now you've showed up as this one and i'm like wait what? like i don't mind playing as this person but what's happening like um <laughs> and part of that is i mean so take it with a grain of salt because i'm not super into star wars so i don't i don't follow like the threads very well i'm like i understand the characters and their motivations but in terms of like what is happening as an overarching story mer- I don't know. Um, and so for me, it was just like, all right, you show up as bro dude or lady dude or whatever. And you not lady dude. I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> and you just like have fun powers and you mess around. And that's how I kind of viewed the campaign, which is why I think I was sort of kind of getting tired of it towards the end. Because um, I was just like, I don't know. There's a story here, but I don't quite get it. But I also don't know this world super well. I just watched the movies. Right. Did you finish the campaign, Alexa? I did. So did you find the constant changing of mechanics? Because as you change protagonists, um, the mechanics change. Because obviously, I'm not going to say who to spoil it, but you do play as some people with powers other than guns. And so yep. you're, switching me- you're switching between 
you know, guns and not other, guns. other guns kinds and not guns. of <laughs> it's guns things. and not guns. Um, and so, the, and then you're in and out of the space sequences. You're flying in a spaceship, and then you're back on the ground, and then you're back up into a spaceship, and then you're back on the ground. Um, did you find that to be exhausting or exciting? So, I dislike Battlefront Two for a for a myriad of reasons, but. The thing that irks me the most about this game and like people, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that a vast majority of people are coming to Battlefront 2 not for the single player campaign. They're like, whatever, we just want to fly some TIE fighters in space. Star, uh, uh, Starfighter Assault is, a pretty, is probably my favorite mode. I think that one's done really well. Um, they're not coming here to play. To play a, the story was secondary. People complained about it after the first Battlefront, but what that game lacked was balance in its multiplayer, not a single player. And the thing that irks me the most about, about this is not so much the switching mechanics. I thought the gameplay was fine. Just just fine. Not like super, super stellar. I actually like it when single player modes kind of switch up. It doesn't matter who you're playing as, but it switches up like what kind you're doing. Kind of like the Call of Duty campaigns. Yeah, kind of like the Call of Duty campaigns where you're not doing the same thing for the entire time. Um, you you sort of have a chance to do other things so you're not getting like shooting fatigue or not shooting fatigue or whatever it is uh, that's <laughs> yeah. going on in your campaign. But the thing that really bothers me about the campaign and it breaks my heart, it makes me really mad. And like, I am saying this as a secret Star Wars fanatic. I read all the books when they come out. I watch, I've watched all the cartoons. We I've seen all of Wookie Clone Wars and Rebels. to episode seven together. We did. We wore Wookiee hoodies to episode seven together. I am a secret Star Wars nerd and I've consumed all the media. I read the comics. Uh, I could tell you some random facts that you don't care about that have nothing to do with the main movies that I think are really cool. But um, as someone who has consumed a lot of this Star Wars media and I think can understand what the heart of Star Wars is, and if you are also a Star Wars fanatic and listening, please chime in. It promises something so it promises something so unique and so original and so tantalizing and then takes it away very, very quickly. And that thing is the idea of playing as someone uh, playing, being in the shoes of someone on the Imperial side. I was really about Iden Versio. Iden Versio. Yeah, she's in um, all of their marketing materials as well. Yes, they marketed this as like play for the empire, blah blah blah. And the thing about Iden is she's a really hard, she's a really hard protagonist. I feel to empathize with because she is the symbol of this oppressive, nasty, horrible regime, and she is your main character. And that kind of I can't, I can't empathize with you. I can't really, really get behind you. But that's but not in a not enjoyable way. Like I think that kind of player discomfort as being in the shoes of someone behind behind a, a a group that's just so vile and so awful that we've come to know as like one of the biggest baddies in all of science fiction ever, the Empire of Star Wars. Like that discomfort was really appealing to me. Like I want to play this game and I want to feel uncomfortable and I want to fight on the side that I always am fighting against. I want to see what goes through their head. I want to know what goes on here. I want to see how, how they work. And this is sort of explored in the novel Lost Stars, which came out, I think, last year, where you have there you follow two characters that are super connected and I won't spoil it, but one goes to the to the rebellion and one stays with the Empire and you kind of explore that dynamic. But she, and this is all over the internet, so this is not a spoiler. She defects so early, like so early in that campaign. It's like, I am the, I am like, I'm fighting for the empire. I'm with the empire. Her reaction to the second Death Star blowing up is so visceral. And so just like, oh man, I actually feel bad for you because the thing you believed in blew up in your face. Like that sucks. And then 
it takes like a couple of missions and she's like, nope, I'm on the rebellion now. Bye. And it's like, and then for the rest of the campaign, that's it. And I just, well, for, uh, yeah, for, for the rest of the campaign, that's it. And for me, I was just so disappointed. One, because EA baited me with this like really, really cool story premise that gave me tingles and then took it away very, very quickly. And that's what bothers me about the story campaign is it didn't commit to its premise or it was false advertising, depending on how you see it. And that is my beef with Battlefront 2. I also agree. Like, I do kind of wish they would have stuck with the Empire side a little bit longer because that was similar to what you said. Again, I'm not a huge Star Wars person, but I find it interesting. Like, I would be interested to play more of a campaign on that side um, just because you see the characters' motivations. And you have to realize that well-written, quote-unquote, baddies never believe that what they're doing is bad. They always believe, like, at the ends justify the means or there's some sort of logic there reasoning there so it would be nice to like get a more fleshed out version of that and see like yeah. what the hell are the empire's goals what's going on here <laughs> like, yeah it's it's upsetting yeah should i okay as someone who has not played this but had i have intentions to is it worth playing i would be it's curious for mess around would, yeah but i would be curious Brittany, as someone who's not you're also not super invested in star wars i'm assuming true I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about it from someone who's coming from like a totally blank slate because my rage is like Star Wars nerd rage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to finish it. So I am a Star Wars fan, but I'm not a Star Wars fan girl, if that makes sense. Like I enjoy going to the movies. I'll go to midnight launches. I have a couple Star Wars t-shirts, but I haven't read the books or the comics or any of the supporting material. Marvel's working on the comics. They're really good. Um, I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying, like, I just don't read comics in general. The only comic I've ever bought was the Mass Effect comic. (laughs) Um, Fair. So, um, my thing is, it's like, I am interested. I was also intrigued. So, in our eBay gift guide, I recommend Battlefront 2 for that exact reason. Because I was really pumped to see not only just, like, a different point of view, but also the fact that we get, like, a female commander protagonist on the front of, like, a major AAA franchise, which is so rare. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, like, for a big game, but for a big game from a very well-known franchise and, and, and property. And obviously, you know, we, with Rogue One and Episode 7, we had, you know, a couple f- female protagonists at the forefront, but... Um, in the video game, I still didn't think that was possible. And I'm so I was super excited for that reason alone. Um, and I, I think that these kinds of campaigns are very polarizing. Um, I think that there are valid criticisms based off what I've played so far. But I'm interested. I'm going to play the rest of it and see. Because I don't, so far, I don't hate it. And some people really hate it. I hate it. Really? I did yep. not hate it. I found I've like I, I had a good time with it for a while. It was just kind of I think I don't know. It may have been more of my mindset of like I want to finish this so that I can finally check something off of the giant list of things to do that I have. <laughs> um, so that may have tainted it a little bit uh, because I did enjoy that they switched it up. And I here's the one thing like I'm not going to say what it is, but like at, at toward one of the end missions, there is a space flight or space fight rather. Um, that just irritated me. It just took too long to like take this plane down. I'm just like rotate. And I was like, I could see myself getting sick 
from this if I was of a different constitution. Like, I just like, I was fine, but I was like, man, Alexa just like looping around. I feel like Alexa herself. probably got sick at this particular mission. <laughs> I got so sick. I had to get up and take Dramamine and lay down for like 30 minutes, but I got through that thing. Damn. You know which one I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Oof. I was just like, disappointing. wow, Noted. Why, yeah. I had to drug myself. I had to drug myself to get through it. Although like, whatever, like not everyone is a weak baby ass baby like me. Um, <laughs> so you probably had an easier time. But no, that that particular one got me sick. Starfighter assault is fun as heck and makes me very ill. Um, but you I haven't played that. Play. I pushed through it because I wanted to play it. I was like, really, I was really interested in playing it. But Battlefront 2 story campaign, you duped me, EA. You duped me real good. I signed up for one thing and you gave me another and it made me really, really sad. Hmm. Well, um, I'm interested to play the rest of it now. Um, we should do a spoiler cast for it. We should really should. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, once we all finish playing, it's not too long. We could probably muster that maybe, maybe for next week. Uh, we'll see. I'm no done. Woohoo. I could do it. I was <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> done. Go. Um, so I have been playing, uh, a couple different things. So I finished Frozen Wilds and, um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Loved it. That playing that DLC made me want expansions for all of the different tribes in the game. Um, going into the country of the Banuk and kind of learning more about who they are as a culture and as a tribe and, you know, where the shamans come from and how it ties back into the main story. And once again, just like this incredible narrative work that Gorilla did with explaining how you know, the machines and how the Banuk have discovered the machines and related to the machines ties into the overall narrative of what's going on with, you know, Project Zero Dawn um, has been really, really exciting. And if you guys haven't yet played it again, just love that game. I'm not going to continue. <laughs> I just had to like, I just wrote a note down that was like download Frozen Wilds because I keep forgetting to do it. Yes, do it while still on sale for PlayStation Plus. You can Ooh, get it for shit. fourteen yeah, ninety nine. Good- By the time we record yeah. next week, I will have finished this game. Good. I promise. I promise. I Damn, promise. girl. I promise. Ooh. How far into it are you right now? Three hours. Oh, you got a ways to I go. I know I have a ways to go. <laughs> but you have Thanksgiving weekend. I do. So hopefully you'll sink some do. time in. Um, so... I don't want to go too far into that because I did talk about that a a lot last week and you guys already know that I am in love with that game but was very impressed with the DLC and just how much content is in that expansion pack for um, 20 bucks well really for 15 if you're PlayStation Plus it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff there was some even some stuff that I didn't go back to do because they added like another hunting lodge and I was just like I can't I can't (laughs) yeah I I was the hunting lodges were fine but they weren't my favorite thing to do yeah um i did want to talk about a couple smaller games um the first one was called real human basketball this is a game that i played at the day of the devs the indie game celebration here in san francisco um i didn't get to play a lot of game i watched a lot of people play games there were just so many people there and congrats to double fine and everyone there for putting that event on it really is a fantastic celebration um of game development um there were just like i I get 
I have the privilege of being able to go to so many shows throughout the year and getting a fast track to play so many of these games that I didn't want a button line at Day of the Devs to to take a controller from people who were, were out celebrating. So it's very kind of you. I watch over people's shoulders. Normally, that's not what I do. Normally, I'm like, here's my press badge. Let me cut the line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I got too many games to cover. But for this day, I was happy to just talk to some devs and see some of my friends who work in the business and just kind of relax. But I did play this game. So let me look up who the dev team is uh, so I get it right. But so the premise of the game, you know, it was 4v4. It was It's a PC game that we were playing on um, NES Classic controllers. Huh. Um, and the idea is that there's two giant robots and four people go, you're these tiny little characters and the robots are easily like 20 times your size and you and your three companions um go and jump up inside the robot and you have to pull a bunch of levers by pushing these buttons to control the robot you control whether the robot moves back and forth whether it has uh moves up or down and then there's a button for thrusters to give yourself more of a boost and then there's a magnet so let me describe the shape to you. So the the body of the robot is roundish, more like ovalish. And it's got these legs, like like long legs, and then it's got this magnet arm. So I think like the giant U-shaped magnet. And it's on this little arm and it rotates around the body of the of the robot. And so the idea is you use the magnet to to grab a basketball. And there's two nets, just like a basketball court. But basketballs aren't made out of metal. I know, but just suspend the disbelief. <laughs> um, on each on each side mm. of the court, and then your job is to grab the ball and obviously make a basket with it. But the thing is, is when it's four v four, that means you and your three teammates have to communicate as to who's operating the magnet, who's going forward or backwards, who's running the thrusters to try to all make it work together and it, it sounds was like overcooked chaos we would have failed this game this thing looks <laughs> bananas so power hoof is the is the dev team that is making is making this game and there is a free demo on on itch.io so itch.io and it's called regular human basketball yes sorry regular human basketball oh, that's I not called it real human basketball it's regular human but basketball. it's not regular human basketball is that the joke no you're a robot yeah. Um, so you no, know, you're the, you're the Power basketball. Rangers robot, essentially playing basketball. I mean, yeah. if it was called real human basketball, that was a really funny mental image. I wasn't quite sure like what the screenshots were going to show when I googled that. Like a basketball comprised of humans. I didn't know. Ooh. But it's, um, it was really fun, and I can imagine it being sorry a, a super fun touched. party game. Um, I told them, I said, you must bring this to Switch. Said so with all of the Joy Cons and how easy it is to use multiple controllers, it seems like such a perfect fit. I'm yeah. like, listen, I, I I love the idea of you having like a little USB uh, plug-in station where you can plug in eight, you know, controllers individually. But who's got eight NES controllers lying oh, around? I have eight Joy Cons. Right. Oh, I also have eight Joy Cons. <laughs> Don't ask why. I just have a bunch of Joy-Cons, okay? I just so, have two, like a regular human. 
Right, but the thing is, like, hey. I, I told them, I was like, this is this would be such a perfect platform for this game, but um, it's really cool. It I had a great time, and it makes for some great um, competition and some smack talking, and of course, the communication that happens with your team as you're trying to move, you know, your robot around um, was was really fun. So that was a cool thing if you guys want to check that out. I also um, had played this week, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Britt and I both played Battle Chef Brigade on Nintendo Switch as well. So this mm-hmm. is from Trinket mm-hmm. Studios, published by Adult Swim Games. They came by, and you can watch our full 30-plus minute Let's Play on our YouTube channel, or what's good, or youtube.com slash what's good games. But I really enjoyed this game and think I'm, it's going to be such, it's such a perfect handheld portable game so i played a lot of uh puzzle and dragons did anybody else play that game no yes i yes. figured alexa would have. of course it's I, the weeb cred gotta right? play it so i tried to explain to brit what this game was because she did not know anything about like match three and i was like brit you had not even played candy crush and she was like <laughs> wait you've never like, played what? a match three game no, never. And so Andrea throws me, into, throws me no. into the fray. No, I'm not a fan of puzzle games unless it's Pagel. Um, and she wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. How did you pronounce that? Pagel? Pagel? Yeah. Pagel? She said it right. She said Pagel. So? Uh, did I? Pagel? Pe- Pagel? 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 You say it like Andrea says bagel. Hey, listen, when you live close to Canada, you say things in a certain way with certain A's and O's, okay? Is that like bag and bug? Bagel. It's a bagel. It's a bagel. You put some Um, peanut butter on your bagel. A bagel is a labyrinth villain. A bagel is a yeasty treat that you eat. (laughs) Bagel! We've discussed this. His name is Hoggle. Yeah, but uh, there might be a bagel in there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe his bagel is labyrinth. I don't know. It sounds like it should be a labyrinth villain. <laughs> it does. It could, maybe it's the name of a goblin. Ignore me. I'm so Ignore confused. Me. I okay, need to Brit, see labyrinth. Brit, match three. You avoided match three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'm sitting down, like, the camera saw me. I'm, I'm sitting down to next to this the president of the company. Very, very sweet, nice guy. And I understand Tom. that it's probably a really simple thing. But as someone who's never done that match three... Like, I know in my brain what I have to do, but I'm trying to, like, visually, like, see the patterns, and I'm just, like, failing. So I'm just button mashing. That whole time, I just button mashed and hope for the best. And then after that, when Andrea was on, and she was, like, doing her, like, advanced levels, she's like, well, haven't you played Candy Crush before? And I was like, no, B, I've never played any game like this before. (laughs) I just like that you button mashed a puzzle game. Like, (laughs) it worked. I mean... Kind Did of. it work? I mean, I, I passed the tutorial, which was really impressive for me. So I was happy about that. So this game, um, <laughs> and the, the tutorial does a pretty good job of, of walking you through. So it is a really fun little kind of hybrid game. And it does very much feel like in the vein of games like Puzzle and Dragons, where there is like an RPG element and a battle element. But what they do, instead of just having you do... Um, like a turn-based battle with a match three, they have you, it's a cooking competition. So you have combat scenarios where you have to go out and essentially fight the food that you're going to cook. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you kill the food and you bring it back into the kitchen and then each of the different food items has a certain type of gem and then you then use those food items to create gem patterns and then from the patterns you have to create specific types of matches. Uh, I like how it has a, a increasingly complex layer of puzzle elements as you go through. So it starts out with you playing with just a single judge who says, hey, I like dishes that have fire in them. So, of course, water, fire, earth, you know, your basic elementals. And then he says, I also like... Captain Planet! Who puts (laughs) earth in food? Well, it's not it's not the suspended disbelief for a second. Um, And then then they like um, a specific type of animal. And so the first judge likes Bowrun, which is like this beast with like a horn on its head. Not dissimilar to my unicorn that I'm wearing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea then is that you listen to what the judge likes and wants in their dish. And then when you're out hunting, you want to try to go after those items, go after... um, items that have fire gems, so like the red gems, and then go after the bow run specifically to add it into the dish. Because then you are judged, you get points if you incorporate both of those things. Very like Iron Chef chopped. If you guys watch anything on the Food Network, um, they got a lot of inspiration from cooking shows and cooking competitions. And it's really fun because it likes, it eases you in. Um, even if you're not, if you're like Brit and you're not really familiar with match three, I would encourage you to maybe spend some time in a very easy match three game like Candy Crush. Um, and there's a bunch of them out there. Um, but you, you basically just line up basic patterns. But as it goes along, it gets increasingly more difficult. So what we did when Tom was here is we jumped right into some of the daily cook-off challenges where there are three judges and each of them have a different elemental preference and then they each have a different animal preference or fruit or vegetable preference, a food-type preference. So you have to make all three dishes... And then you have to serve all three dishes in the specific time limit. Oh yeah, they and time that's when you. it gets yeah. So that's when it gets like complicated and gets you know, you know, your brain really has to has to do some work. And that's what I really loved about it. And I, what's great is that it's um it's in this anime art style, a uh, graphic novel, I believe, is what he called it. And it's what feels you know very Japan in that way. There's a husbando in it. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. The, the host of the cooking show that you're competing on um, is very much husbando material. I'm so glad I've introduced you to husbandos, Andrea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm learning about the husbandos. Yeah. Um, and uh, you play as this girl named Mina. There also is the ability in some of the challenges to play as her friend that she meets, Thrash. And essentially, she's trying to win the a spot to become part of the Battleship Brigade, to, to be part of this elite group. And it's um it's it's pretty cool and I think it's great for Switch because it's such great on the go gameplay. Um and you can like pick it up, play a couple rounds and put it down and come back to it. Um I'm really looking forward to playing more of it. Britt, what did you think of your time playing the game? It's so it was the first time I've done a match three. So you take something I've never done before and you add a time element to it, and I was being timed. I was telling Andrea and, the, and, the, and Tom that it was more stressful than the opening scene of The Last of Us. It was very, very intense for me. <laughs> wow. I, no, Alexa. No, but I hear, I hear you. It's, and especially, like, <laughs> like you're recording it. Like, it, I understand. <laughs> well, no, not just because I was being recorded, but it was like, oh, my God, I'm being stressed. I don't know what I'm doing. I have to do a puzzle. I have to kill things. Ah, 
However, that said, I would like to spend more time with it when I can just like kind of make mistakes and not be judged uh, by it, like Andrea on the off off camera. It's just match three. No, listen, uh, I was giving you a hard time because I love you, but it is just um, match three. But no, I. Here's what I'll say. You said there was like a fighting element. Like, how hard is it to kill the things you want to eat? So you have basic attacks and you have magic attacks and then you have certain combos you could put together. In the beginning stages, I didn't find um, the creatures that hard to kill until I came across a dragon. That was awesome. Was much more difficult to kill than I anticipated. And he was very big. And I was like, it's okay. I got this. And Tom was like, yeah, <laughs> go for it. Like really egging me on. And then I went for it and the dragon almost killed me. Um, yeah, true. But um, clearly as you go through, you get stronger and you get better at fighting. Um, but like the items range from like these little like chicken like things to like vegetables. You just chop off of a tree to, to dragons. And I'm sure there's other types of, you know, scarier monsters down the line that you have to, um, you know, come across. But um, I'm not sure how how difficult the fights get because I don't think the fighting part of the game is really, like, the most important mechanic. Really, like, the puzzle element in the match three really is. And they have a mode um, in the challenge mode where you can play in the cook-off. So there's a restaurant in the game where you go and you do a mission. And the idea is that you're a line cook in the restaurant. And these orders are coming in from different people. And essentially, you have to make these quick matches. Oh, God, it's overcooked. <laughs> I was about to say, I just said, I was like, in my head, I'm like, overcooked? But I'm it's triggered. Overcooked. No, it's, it's much easier than an overcook because you're not match- managing so much. You just, you step in front of the customer, they show you the gem pattern, and then you move the stuff around that's right below you. You match it up, you move on to the next. And the goal is to make as many matches as you can. So they'll give you like five minutes or whatever, and they'll be like, okay, make as many matches as you can. And it's about figuring out like how you can move the gems around, how you can manipulate them while you're stirring the dish, which is how you move the gems. And then also like knowing when you have to abandon the dish, when you have mm-hmm. to go, clearly I've, I can't get this match. I've spent too much time on it. Abandon it and move on to the next one. Well, oh, you played mm-hmm. on the highest difficulty too, right? And so you can only yeah. rotate the gems a certain amount of time before they crack and Fragility break. Fragility is part of the hard what? difficulty. Jeez. But I would say, obviously, I jumped to the, like, a really difficult mission just to showcase like how the game ramps up. But if you want to practice, Brit, if you're people out there listening are like, hey, I'm also new to match three and I don't really know how it works. They have a mode where you can just practice on normal mode. And it's a good way to kind of like test your skills and still get some game time in and just make some simple, easy matches and see how you do. And the game's being received very well. I'm very happy for everyone. Go I want to play it. Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was very fun. I had a good time. So if you guys want to see some of that gameplay... Uh, you can head on over again to our to our YouTube channel. Um, okay, Alexa Ray. Oh boy, you speaking of husbandos, oh. you have been playing Final Fantasy fifteen comrades and monsters of the deep. Monster of the deep. There's one, just one monster. Monster in well, the there's deep more of the deep. There's more than uh, it's complicated. It's a complicated situation. <laughs> Which one do you want to hear about first? Uh, let's talk about Comrades. You played this in our After Hours stream. So I we did. had a little bit of a sneak peek. And if you are an After Hours patron and you joined us uh, last week, you also did. But for people who did not join us, 
tell us, what is this multiplayer Final Fantasy all about? So, Comrades is a... The thing that I love about it is the story it adds. Surprise, surprise. So, Comrades uh, is, a, is the multiplayer expansion of Final Fantasy XV. They announced it at some... They announced it, like, earlier this year, late last year, and they were like, we're adding multiplayer. And everyone was like, oh my god, please don't add multiplayer. This game doesn't need any By more everyone, shit. By everyone, do you mean you? I mean, Brittany and I had a, had a, had a laughing meltdown because we were... I know, I remember. It was we great. thought it was, yeah. it was fucking ridiculous. I'm eating my words now. Um, so, comrades, um, it's been a year. I don't care. So, in Final Fantasy XV, uh, spoiler alert, um, towards the end of the game, a thing happens and Noctis disappears and goes into a deep sleep for 10 years. And there's a 10-year time skip. And in that 10 years, and then he wakes up after 10 years, and the world has, the world has gone to hell, and he has to fix it with his friends and whatnot. That's so what comrades, happens when you take a 10-year nap, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone just, just goes to hell. Um, so in that 10 years is where Comrades is set, and it's the story of the 10 years. Um, but Comrades connects back to the CGI film, Kingsglaive, Final Fantasy XV. Because you play as a member of the Kingsglaive, which is one of the elite soldiers that guard the royal members of the House of Lucius, uh, the ruling family in the Kingdom of Insomnia, and um, basically the protectors of the crown and the protectors of the land. So you're playing as an elite soldier. And in Comrades, you wake up with no memory or very little memory, and you're told, you're a glaive. You have this power. Um, We don't know. We haven't heard from Noctis in you know however long like we stopped we don't know where he is but we the world is overrun with monsters because arden the big bad by this time has like pulled his shenanigans and everything is crazy sorry um and so you have to kill monsters and help the world rebuild itself because there was this big cataclysmic thing that knocked out all the power and what you're doing is you are fighting monsters and collecting meteor shards uh, for energy. And this energy can be used to electrically power up the city that you're in. And as you power up your city, you can send electricity to other outposts around the world of EOS and get them back up, unlock new quests, and then also do things like power up shops to uh, buy, buy and upgrade better weapons, to buy new clothing, all that stuff. So you're basically restoring the world from zero. Like it's like basically like the Walking Dead apocalypse. Nothing is working. You have to make it work. Except instead of zombies, it's it's um, demons. So and weird spider monsters and weird spider monsters. My first mission was weird spider monsters, and I was very upset about it. So the thing, the thing about the thing about comrades, and the thing that makes comrades worthwhile for someone who is invested in the Final Fantasy fifteen story is there's actually quite a bit of content here story wise, and you also get to see a bunch of your old favorites. So if you watched Kingsclave, you know who Libertus is. Libertus was a secondary character. Um, who was not as important as Aaron Paul's character or um, Lena Headey's character or Sean Bean's character. I forgot they were in this. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, they were. So he was not as important, but he's the person who picks you up uh, and introduces you to the world of comrades. And it's really great to see him because I feel like by the end of Final Fantasy 15, unless you're in the throne room and you notices, you notice the illusion of the main character of Kingsglaive's corpse hanging from the ceiling. There's really no connection to Kingsglaive. So this connects back to Kingsglaive. And you uh, and he sort of tells you what's going on and you get to see like Sid and 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 Iris and all of these characters from the main game as you go along your way. And some of your quests like you fight Prompto. 
um, which which uh, I had a friend, uh, Kim Wallace, over at Game Informer was fighting Prompto and the photo mechanic is in the game. And Prompto took a selfie after he had frozen her. So she's like frozen. I saw in, that. She's frozen in game and he's like, like behind her, like frozen, like body over here. Do you see Aranea again? Wait, did she tweet this? She did tweet it. No, I know. Uh, it's great. It's, it's really good. Kim, Kim has played, f- uh, we've played a, almost the same amount of, same amount of that game, but like, but like, she, her character looked way cooler than mine did. Let's just put it that way. Um, the avatar system is really, is really, really robust. Like you can <laughs> adjust your, adjust your nostril it. width and your hips and like your, and your arms. Like you can adjust all, like your entire body, like very, very, very minute, um, which is pretty great. It. Yeah. That's a pretty great photo. That's, weird. that's a pretty great photo. Poor girl. Um, and, but, but, yep. uh, yes. Good. Move it to the, yes. wait, put it back up. Put it, put it back up, put it up, put it up. Move it to your Move left it. a little bit. There, there she is. Go. Shout out, Kim. Oh, that's young nice. Prompto. LOL. Yeah, it is young Prompto because this takes place as soon as he, as soon as Noctis goes missing. Uh, I see. Um, so that's sort of the story behind Comrades and you regain your memory. You learn about what happened to Eos. You learn about what happened to the Glaive uh, because as you know, during the main game, King Regis dies and, Lu- and Noctis is playing road trip. So you're, <laughs> so like, what are you doing if you have no one to protect? But the thing about the thing about comrades that I like is people will say it's oversimplified, but I like it. Uh, you go on quests or like raids, and you can do multiple raids multiple times to collect more electricity and to collect more items as you build out the world. So you're basically grouping into multiplayer groups to complete goals more easily and quickly so you can go back to your game and unlock the things that you need in your story. So it's not really like you're not running around with your multiplayer gang all the time and basically all you do with them is fight and then eat. Uh, You do get a dish at the end of every fight depending on what you've picked up during battle. Your camp leader, who's an NPC from Final Fantasy XV, will make a dish for you and all the recipes are new because the world has gone to hell. So you have like mystery meat sandwich and like tripe. I had like, like demon tripe. And I was like, I don't really want to eat this. It looks really bad. That sounds disgusting. It, it, it looked really disgusting, but it's very, very simple. And if you are someone who's like, I love the final fantasy 15 story. I'm invested in it. This is like, that's what you'll get from this. This is story and the opportunity to like fool around in the world of EOS with like a bunch of your friends. It's actually like it's, it's, it's really fun. Cause I'm invested in Final Fantasy 15. If you're like, I want a robust multiplayer with all the things like multiplayer and I like, like Call of Duty. It's not call. It's not like Call of Duty multiplayer. It's not like Battle for Multiplayer. Don't even think about it like that. Um, there's four of you. You go out, you kill things, you eat, you go home. That's basically it. So okay. we have to eat our words, Alexa. Yeah, we, we, we have to eat our words because I'm having fun with it. And I, and there, uh, this is part, people are asking me, this is part of the season pass. So if you paid, I think it's like $25 for the Final Fantasy 15 season pass, which includes episode Prompto, episode Gladio, Gladiolus, uh, a bunch of weapons, and episode Ignis. It includes comrades. There are, uh, there's no way for you to spend any more of your actual real world money in it. There are no microtransactions. It just is what it is. And everything you can earn, weapons, um, new hairstyles, new clothes, upgrades, uh, energy, everything you earn by playing, by spending time in that game. Um, it is indeed twenty four ninety nine. Twenty four ninety nine. So, like, are you going to spend a hundred hours in this? Probably not. Are you going to spend twenty hours and really enjoy it? Yeah. 
So and, I really like comrades. Get all the single player stuff, and too, you get all the single player stuff too, pretty, which is a pretty good value, right? So if you're someone like me who doesn't like playing with people online because you're like a you're a secret hermit, <laughs> um, if you don't want to play all those quests with online people, you can play them with three AI companions. So multiplayer, you don't necessarily have to like engage in. If you just want to progress a little by yourself, or you can't find anyone to match with, or you just don't want to play with other people, you can still get that content if you play solo. So it's either way. So it's it's pretty nice. I like it. It's pretty I'm cool. I'm excited to play it. You have me excited. I'm going to play should. it while I walk on the treadmill. Since yeah, it's now gross in Washington. I have to we should play that. together. We should play together. Yeah. Kill some enemies. Um, so that's yeah, some <laughs> land lobsters. Land lobsters. Oh, now yeah, to the sea lobsters. lobsters. <laughs> now to talk about the sea lobsters. Um, yes, monster singular of the deep. <laughs> so Comrades was the good Final Fantasy game that I played Uh-oh. this week. Monster of the Deep is fine. Oh, I forgot mm. about this already. Monster of the Deep. So Monster of the Deep is another it's the fishing it's, game. It's the fishing the game. Fishing it's VR. It's virtual reality. There's kind of a story to it, but it like doesn't really add anything to the main game. You play as you make an avatar. It's like the same avatar system that you make in Final Fantasy 15 Comrades. And you're just a person out fishing. And while you're out fishing, minding your own damn business, this giant giant ass monster comes out of the water and attacks you and when this happened i like screamed fell backwards my headset decalibrated like i like had a meltdown because i had not seen this monster yet Uh and it is a scary ass monster and it literally gets right into your face because surprise you're in vr and you can't hide close your eyes yeah uh yeah Uh, that's my solution for anything scary just close your eyes close your eyes as evidenced by all of the screenshots I took when trying to make thumbnails for our Lights Off series on Facebook. I mean, isn't it normal to close your, close eyes, your eyes when you scream? I feel like I was the normal one and Brittany was Brit the weirdo. Was all like, ah, screaming with open eyes. wide-eyed straight nope. into the danger. And, and Steimer was like, no, shrinking away. It was so I good. like curl up. I hermit. Okay, I'll survive, Steimer. I'll survive. You can just... You will. I'll be dead, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm really glad that none, no one... I, I played this game alone, and I'm really glad that no one was around to see my horrible reactions to this game. Um, so you're found by Cindy, our, our skimp, scantily clad mechanic from the main game. And she's like, oh, you're a fisher. Well, there's some... F- they're fisherman, fisher person. There's some awful fish out there. We gotta kill them. So Does she talk like darn that? Yeah. yeah. She talks like this. She lives with her pawpaw. Sandy. Sandy. So she so you you go to your little hut and the whole premise is there are some nice fish, but also there, there are bears are, in the woods. There are bears Sorry. in the woods. There's fish <laughs> in the water. There's Come demon fish. <laughs> There's demon fish. <laughs> And in order to lure, and you have to kill all the demon fish to lure out the, the the king demon fish or whatever. So in each area, and you can, there's a bunch of different areas that you go to and you can fish, and you have to catch a certain number of normal fish before the demon fish will show itself. And that's the the that's the premise of the game. And there's two parts to all of these sections. There's the catching the normal fish, which is actually really tedious. If you've played the fishing mini game in Final Fantasy 15. You can be sitting there for a lot. You could throw your lure to the right area. Brittany knows what I'm talking about. I see you nodding, girl. You can throw your throw your lure to the right area. It'll indicate like where you should throw it. You can get the rod exact like the lure exactly where it needs to go. And there's fish there, and they won't bite. And you could sit there for ten minutes. So it's like real life. Minutes. So, yeah, it's, so like, like, it's, it's like it's real, real life fishing. fishing. 
But in Final Fantasy 15, when it's a mini game and you're like, I'm going to catch some fish because I want to I want to cook some stuff with it. You get a reward from that. You get a status buff when Ignis cooks you dinner that night. You get something out of it. And Monster of the Deep, sitting there for 15 minutes trying to catch one fish when you know you have to catch like five or six. And this is the main game. Right. Is like, God. Sounds it's boring. So, it's so, so tedious. So they didn't improve the drop rates for fish. No, they did not improve the drop rates for fish. Um and then once you do get all those fish, so you're, you're hanging out and like some of the areas are interesting. Like you have to move, you can move out into like a little eddy in the water or you can go around an entire lake and fish underneath the carcass of a dead, like a bones of a dead animal. Nice. And what? you meet, you meet some characters like Gladio is there fishing for some reason and Ooh, Pronto comes to take photos. You do, he's not shirtless. You do, you <sighs> do. My favorite was there's one, the first one, one of the first ones you do is with Noctis. And Noctis is like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just hanging out fishing. Like you can come fishing me too. The world is crumbling around you. Why are you not focused on that? Why are you fishing? <laughs> what are you doing? I was really annoyed I mean, by this. Sometimes you need a mental break. You can't right. process that much battle in one go. So he's like hanging out fishing, like standing on a rock next to me while I'm fishing. And he'll occasionally quip. And he's I will never forget this. Nap. The, before the 10-year nap, I caught a really small, uh, this dinky-ass little fish. It's just dinky little fish. And he goes, ha, you got a big one there. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, so thanks, randomly generated. It's all uh, about perspective. I know. Maybe I was that like, was a big fish for him. I was or like, maybe thanks, it's Noctis. just poorly trained AI. But uh, it could be either or. Um, so, that, so that happened. And then when you catch enough small fish, the big fish comes out. And you don't catch the big fish. You shoot it with a crossbow that you somehow have managed to get. So you I shoot mean, this fish and this fish. You right? You can't fish with a giant fish. You don't fish with a fucking crossbow. Well, so you can fish with dynamite, girl. You just got to do it right. Right. I was like, where are my spells? You can't be Where's my about sword? It. There are specific javelin type devices for fishing. Harpoon. Let me look it up. So Ooh, yeah, harpoon like a whale harpoon. Yeah, yes. like, like a harpoon. So I have a crossbow. This is what I've been given. This is what I have to work with. And you have to shoot this fish. And what the fish will do is it'll it will crawl towards you or swim towards you or lunge towards you. And yes, you can die. I've seen a lot of talk online about how oh you can't even die. The fish you just attack the fish until you catch it. No, you can die. How do I know? Because you did. They did. It's a harpoon so you can gun. A harpoon gun, more specifically, right. not a crossbow. But it's that it's a small it's a small crossbow. It's a one handed crossbow. Um, Wait, no, that's no, the harpoon that's not what gun. I, no, a harpoon. No, 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 no. Is this is this the thing you're talking about? No, no, no. It's a crossbow. It has the cross on the front, and you hold it, and it's it's a bow. It's a crossbow. Why? It's it's a crossbow. It's not this. No, it has the dart in the front. It has it has the triangle in the front of it. Does it look like this? No, it does not. That looks like a real gun. I said a crossbow. It's shaped like a crossbow. Okay. <laughs> I, it's not it's not a harpoon. Someone fucked up here. So okay. <laughs> so uh, so you basically beat this fish, this this big giant scary fish, and it jumps in your face and makes me scream and has a lot of teeth and it's really upsetting. And um and then you kill it and you catch it and then you can move on to the next area. And once you've done this enough times, like you know, fish encounter, you win the game. Um, my biggest problem with Monster you know, of the Deep fish encounter, you know, fish encounters. <gasps> My biggest problem with Monster of the Deep is definitely that catch rate because it just ruins the experience. Because mm -hmm. if I, this is all I'm doing, I would at least like my odds improved. So I'm not spending 20 minutes waiting for one damn fish in VR getting sick while Noctis goes, ha, hmm. Oh, <laughs> look at that one. Like in my corner of my peripheral vision, like laughing at me. Um, the other problem is, and I know there was a day one patch that fixed some of these issues, but that game, like, 
just like sometimes I'll like flick my I, so I tried it with the DualShock and with the and with the two um, PlayStation Move controllers. If you don't have them, you can play with your regular PlayStation Four controller. And sometimes I would flick my line and it would fly off into the distance and be like missed and i'm like no i just i I flicked it (laughs) and sometimes i'll do a big cast and it'll plop like two feet in front of me and i recalibrated recalibrated it's like the wii i kept recalibrating (laughs) recalibrating 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 i had plenty of room to play and i was just like why does this keep happening and it got better like once i got used to it i got better at it and the patch definitely improved it but like man but like man i was like this is this is ridiculous and then also sometimes i would look down and my arms would be like They'd be like broken and I feel like, like bent. That's a common VR problem. Yeah, I had some like super common VR problems one time. Like I took half a step back and I jumped inside my character and I was looking at the inside of my face and I got really sick. Um, <laughs> it was really that gross. Sounds terrifying. It was really. That it just was, became a different game called yeah. Inside Your Head Simulator. It was really terrifying. Uh, bottom line is like Monster of the Deep. If you really liked Final Fantasy 15 and you like the fishing, it's like. Go for it. If you're like on that Final Fantasy 15 train, you can't get off because it's too damn late. Like me, like play the damn game. Yep. Um, it's pretty cheap. And then, uh, but if you're a VR enthusiast, you might want to check this out. But if you're like a normal ass person who's like, I played a couple hours of Final Fantasy 15 or I casually played Final Fantasy 15 and maybe I want to check this out. Like you probably won't enjoy your time with it. It's a pretty hefty game. It's like a couple of hours long. So it's not just like a one off. Um but I was really scared by the fish and had a really hard time finishing. That sucks because That's my grandma is real. She was really interested because she loves Final Fantasy and she, she loves should play fishing. But, but I mean, if the if the catch rate is that bad, it's like I don't know. I don't want her to get like discouraged. Oh well, because she she was gonna buy a, a PSVR for this specifically. Oh no! Don't oh, do God. that. Don't no. do that. No. Yeah. No. 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 Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. I'll tell her. Alexa said no. But yeah, um, no dice. I wish, I mean, they were fun. I'm kind of comforted in knowing that, like, it's not the last piece of new Final Fantasy 15 content we're getting this year, but. <laughs> we're on that train, Alexa. Yeah. We're going full speed ahead. There's no stopping it. We no, are. The we problem. can't get off. At this Choo-choo, point, we just can't get off. Fudgers. Mother fudgers. <laughs> I'm trying not to say bad words. Beans. Um, let it, let's wrap up our hands-on impressions for this week. We, of course, will have more for you after we have the long holiday weekend to play even more video games. Um, but speaking of stuff, we've got another segment for you. Stick around, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after this short break. Your final segment of the Games Podcast on Black Friday, Thanksgiving week. If you live in the United States, I hope that you are listening to this podcast eating some leftover mashed potatoes and gravy. It's Dimer's favorite oh, Thanksgiving mm. food. Ooh, so Please be good. safe out there and all those Black Friday lines. Yes, hopefully a lot of you are buying online. That seems to be the uh, the trend. But if you want to get the good deals, like day of, and make sure you secure your item and it doesn't get delayed in shipping, I'm looking at you, Amazon. Ooh. You might need to brave the crowds. Um, so, 
Today, we decided to pick from our reader mail. We have a couple of questions that kind of go hand in hand. Um, if you guys are ever interested in submitting topics for us to talk about or um, if you want some answers, we don't guarantee you that we'll actually answer them, but you're welcome to submit them at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Every once in a while, we pull from our reader mail bag. Um, if you would like to guarantee us to talk about a topic, we have a fantastic producer segment tier at patreon.com slash what's good games which we would love to discuss with you if you have a topic um that you would like us to discuss until then we're gonna use our discretion and today our discretion has led us to two separate things and i see here Britt, that you did not tell me who these are from well that's because we didn't have their names in the email wait from mystery person number one these these all right these were grabbed from I think social media, and unfortunately, I do not see I did not see their tags. However, if you want to continue reading, I can look for them once more. Okay, while she looks, and apologies if we don't find out who, it, your exact name, we um want you to know that we appreciate you sending these ideas in, and we will try to give you credit where credit is due when we can. Um, first up, and these kind of go hand in hand, so I'm going to read them both. Uh, first, do you guys think achievements and trophies have improved gaming, the gaming experience, or hurt it? I feel like it's made games less replayable because you don't feel like playing a game. You can't earn them in anymore. I'd like to hear your thoughts. That is from Thomas Murray. Perfect. Thanks, okay. Thomas. The second one. Seeing as how y'all play a lot of games, multiple games at once, I imagine, are y'all completionists? Do you 100% a game or just go through the main quest and move on? I ask because I too play a lot of games, but I get so many, I sometimes have a backlog of games that I haven't really finished or even really started due to the fact that I'm completing a game that I'm working on. Thanks in advance. Y'all are great. That is from someone on Facebook. I apologize. Okay, thank you. That's not their name. (laughs) Thank you. I hope it is. Someone on Facebook. I'm guessing they might be from the South because they used y'all a lot. Yeah. Um, I also like using the word y'all. That's a good guess. Um, So these are interesting and they go hand in hand for obvious reasons. So let's start with achievements and trophies. Have they improved the gaming experience or hurt it? Steimer. Um, In a way, they've been, I think, a little column A, a little column B. Uh, For instance... When I was playing Star Wars Battlefront 2, I played a few missions offline. Like, I don't know. Something was up with my internet. It just didn't connect. Uh, And I beat, like, four missions offline. And then it it fixed itself. It reconnected for the last mission. That achievement popped. The others did not. And so I was sitting there like... And then I and I got mad and I was like, are you joking me? Like, I didn't get the achievements for these chapters. This is some bullshit. Uh, this also happened for me in like Left for Dead. I remember Left for Dead 2. I was basically like at the very end of this one particular level and I was on the boat like ready to evacuate and um, a I forget what they're called. The big guy like threw a rock at me and I was downed, not out. And the boat took like the before anybody could go over to like just get resme, um, the boat cutscene started and then it didn't pop the achievement, so it acted like I didn't make it through that level, and I was like, Fuck like I just like raged. I was so irrationally angry that I didn't get the reward I was supposed to have gotten for doing the thing. Even I, I don't know. So like I, yes, it can be bad in some instances. Like I shouldn't feel bad. Like technically I played those chapters and I got what I was supposed to get out of them, right? 
but no i'm mad because i didn't get the stupid like cherry on top that i wanted to get um but then in some ways like i i disagree that it makes them less replayable because i think especially nowadays it's very rare that you find a game that has easy achievements and or trophies i think most game companies are using them as hooks to make their games more replayable um so that statement i disagree with i think that they're actively used as a replay hook um agreed i also don't look at trophy lists i know that it's a big thing that people list trophies and achievements uh before the game comes out and they leak and things like that but i don't generally read those lists before i play i usually just like look at them as they pop and then after i finish a game i'll go back and look and then i'll be like oh i probably should have looked at this beforehand (laughs) Yeah, yeah that happens i used to be i used to be the person who was looking at like all of the lists and i would be like all right what's like easy what do i need to do and i mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily achievement hunt like if something was difficult i wasn't gonna do it right like i was just like man <laughs> lost cause but mm-hmm. i wanted to maximize my time and i wanted to get as many easy things as i could for the time i was playing the game um which is why I have like 35,000 achievement score and also level 15 on PlayStation. I have never cared about trophies or achievements. In fact, I turn off notifications. I don't want them to pop up in the middle of like an important cutscene. I have never looked at a trophy list or an achievement list because to me, I'm worried that they might spoil something. And now I know that they're created in such a way that it's not supposed to give away story plot points or anything like that. But to me, it's like I want to play the game how I want to play it. And if I feel forced to collect like a hundred orbs or whatever there are in a Prince of Persia game or something, like that saps the fun away from me. So I guess I've just never quite understood. I mean, I get it. It's like, hey, you have cool bragging rights and maybe you feel like you're getting more out of the game. Is is that what it is? Like, why do people, why are they so obsessed with these? It's that sweet, sweet ding, girl. That that like weird sound it but makes when it, when it pops do it for the and, like that used to be my ringtone once upon a time not my ringtone my text tone sure no I, that's, I mean that's that's understandable the ding or i'm probably more of like it's just like i have i there's a score and i want to get it like that's more of what it is like you can see out of a thousand points how many you have sure it doesn't if you're like i have a hundred out of a thousand that feels bad what do i have to do to get the other points yeah i'm failing this course i guess for me like the points like don't translate into anything useful in my real life so it's like i don't care about these points but Mm -hmm. i can understand it if you look at it from the standpoint of like hey i must have missed out on a lot of content this game has to offer i can understand that no i think you have the healthier mindset Brittany, and i think that you are what people should strive to be ignore achievements ignore trophies but i i'm not so far down the rabbit hole i'm definitely not a platinum hunter my god i would like that's all i would do i why how do you get anything else done in your life i don't understand um but so yeah be like Brittany. i think is the name of this segment yeah, I know, Britt, you kind of hit it on the head. Like, I don't, and this sort of ties into the second question. I only care about 100% completing games that I'm like turbo obsessed with, like the Middle Earth games, like Final Fantasy 15, like currently Assassin's Creed Origins. Like, I don't want to 100% everything, but if there's a game that I love and I'm really into and I'm really excited about, I will take the time to see every last piece of content and every every bird and every grain of sand that that developer put in there. And in that case, I will look at trophy lists 
and I'll use it as a gauge for, well, where, like, what content did I miss? Like, where should I be looking? If I get to the end and realize I've got like a little bit of percentage left and it's like, well, what am I missing? Like, what is the thing I should be looking for? Um, but other than that, like, I don't care about trophies. I don't care about achievements. I think I have mine turned off. You can't even see them in my profile. Because some rando person once messaged me and was like, you don't have a lot of trophies. Do you really call yourself a gamer? And I was like, fuck oh you, get God. out. So I blocked it. I'm like, no one can see it. This is also why I put my trophies as hidden, yeah, too. Yeah, I hate it. Play, I was talking about a specific game. And they were like, yeah, but you only have this many trophies. How can you even be talking about it? And I was like, because I played a lot of the game in preview events where I didn't actually get my trophies to pop. Thank you very much. Um, I'm I'm kind of with you guys in the sense that, for me... Trophies are ancillary and achievements are whatever. There's only been a couple of games in my memory in my entire life as a a person who plays video games where I cared about the achievements or trophies. And that's because I loved a game so much. I wanted to play more. And after hitting the end game content, I was like, how do I play more? Look at the achievements. Look at the trophies. How can I how can I extend my gaming experience? One of the first games that I did this with actually came quite late in the um, 360 generation for me uh, was South Park Let's Play Tower Defense on XBLA. Wow. Wow. So if you guys never played this game, it's fantastic. I love tower defense games, and there aren't enough tower defense games out there that are particularly one on console but also are like super fun and engaging and aren't super repetitive um and i loved that game so much that i got every single achievement you could get in that game because i just wanted to keep playing it and i couldn't figure out ways played it on like every single difficulty um i got i defeated like that man bear pig every time and like there was just it's just like a lot of great achievements in that game. Uh, another game most recently that I've talked about, the first time where I had the problem that you had, uh, that I tried to platinum. The first game I've ever platinum because I mentioned on the show before that I haven't been a PlayStation person until this generation. And I've really played a lot on my PS4 over my Xbox One um, was Horizon Zero Dawn. First game I platinum. And technically, I platinumed it. Platinumed it. But I don't have the platinum because three of my platinum or three of my trophies glitched. Um, The trophy where you have to knock down a certain amount of grazers. um, I knocked all the grazers down. Check mark. You can see it in the in the stats where it lists all of the different things in the game. Did it. Trophy didn't pop. Um, There was a certain side quest. The hunting lodge um, side quest completed it checked it off did it all did the trophy didn't pop um and then there was a third one uh, you have to defeat every type of machine in the game done that more than once several times in fact i have the hearts and the the lenses to prove it in my inventory never popped either so i never actually got the platinum in that game which is oh, pretty that's so frustrating yeah, and I tried to do all the tricks that people recommended to me where you, like, sync your data to the cloud and you bring it back down and then you sync your trophies over here and here and you put it on, like, nothing worked. So I just kind of, like, resigned myself to, like, well, I know that I did it, even though, I like, it would have been my <laughs> yeah. one and only platinum that I have on my PSN ID, but... So I damn. have, I think, two games platinumed, and I have two games on Xbox that I got a 1,000 out of a 1,000 on. One of them was a total cheat. Um, it was 
Fuck, what was that game called? It was like a, I don't want to say Naruto, but that might not be right. Um, it's and, pronounced Naruto. What? It's pronounced Naruto. Naruto? Not Naruto. I think, I, whatever, shut up. <laughs> and, um, and it was like the wind something or other. Is that right? Is it That the sounds thing? like a Naruto shtick. Yeah, and like you could get a thousand points on that game by just like going to this one corner and hitting B like four times and then it just like popped all of the trophies or not the, the achievements. It was a cheat. And Stone Chin from Ubisoft PR gave me that game and told me to do it. So I blame him. Um, <laughs> but and then Viva Pinata for obvious reasons. Uh, and my two platinums are Persona 4 Golden and Sound Shapes. Now I have a 100%ed games, not platinum and or gotten all the achievements. 100%ed everything to do in that game. Because, like, there's a difference. 100%ing the game is, like, much in more the difficult. game, it has a checklist of the things that you need to do for that game to consider you complete uh, versus, like, the, the achievements or trophies list. So I did Red Dead Redemption, 100%ed, and Shadow of War. No, Shadow of Mortar. Solid. Nice. I think the only game I've ever 100%ed was Peggle 2. Oh, my God. Peggle. 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 Um, and the thing about, and I have mad respect for your Steinberg for completing both of those games because those are massive games. I just, I, I think that there hasn't been a game yet that really enticed me to go get everything in the game. The other game I was very close to 100%ing was Rock Band 2. Mm. I spent mm. a lot of hours in that game. Which, by the way, they had their 10th anniversary um, this week. Rock Band. Congratulations, Harmonix. Um, shout out to Alex Rogopoulos. Um, and my husband, who I met through Rock Band. So, um, I love that game, and I played a lot, a lot of that game. Um, in regards to um, the questions specifically... Um, do you just go through the main quests and move on? I don't think I've ever gone through a game and just ignored all the side content. No. I think that you're really not doing the game service if you skip it. Now, if the game is bad and you don't like it, obviously stop playing it. But if you think it's good, I think that to me, being so close to so many different game devs and meeting so many people who make games... I think about the person whose job it was to research the narrative or the text piece that is on that piece of paper that you're going to pick up in that corner. Mm-hmm. Or I think about the environmental artist who makes the room where the side quest exists or the person who designed the character that you're going to meet along the way. And I'm like, you know what? Someone put work into this. Somebody had to create this thing and probably was multiple people had to create this thing. And if I like this game, I'm going to give it the time it deserves and really go check it out that being said as gaming professionals we don't have that kind of time to devote to every title we play sometimes you kind of got to fast track through certain games to get a good sense of it to be able to analyze it um and critique it properly but there are a lot of games i would like to go back and spend more time in for that exact reason because i feel like the work deserves to be appreciated yeah especially if it's a game where your choices matter like a Dragon Age, Mass Effect, or even Horizon Zero Dawn from what you ladies have told me about it. I always want to do the side quest because I'm like, okay, but if I don't save this person, maybe they won't be able to save me down the down the road. Or maybe I'll get like 
a, a story update after I finished the game and that character died because I didn't save them. And I feel like by doing that, I'm skipping out on um, a, an important piece of content because realistically, I don't have the time to go back and replay games anymore. It makes me so sad. I used to do that all the time. So it's like, this is my one shot. I better put the time in now. And that's probably why I'm $100 into Divinity Original Sin 2 right now. 100 hours. That's a lot of hours. Um, Brit, normally I would tell you to put your NES down and walk on something else. Here's the thing. You know what Divinity is as a game. Have you completed Horizon Zero Dawn? But okay, so I'm giving her a look, are. ladies and gentlemen who are listening. I'm giving her a look like it's a man. Look. It's but a look. here's the thing, though: is like if this was any other game, I would be inclined to agree with you. But this has been my most. This has been a game I've anticipated for like two years now, and this has been my most anticipated game. So I'm so far into it. I need to know like what happens. I'm very invested in the story. And I know I am now officially nearing the end. I know I, last week I told Sam we're 10 hours away. And now I'm realistically about five hours I'm away. I'm not saying you can't finish it. I'm just saying set it aside for like a week. That's it. I can't. And this is, I don't know if this is. Yes, you can. You can. It's hard. You just don't want to. Because it's always to. like circulating in the back of my head. Like, okay, I need to finish it. I need to finish it. It's hard. It's an issue. I understand. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Thanks. Thanks, That's girl. how I feel about Destiny, but I put it down. I put Destiny down. It's been over a month okay. since I put Destiny. Okay, we cannot Destiny. compare Destiny to Divinity Original Why not? Sin. One has a story and one doesn't. Oh, you <laughs> shut your mouth right now, you, you <laughs> salty stimer. I'm going to jump through this computer and fight you. I'm defending. I'm on Britney's side right now. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to get all, all of the What's Good Guardians to come find you. I have we're the power of the salt. Look at you menacingly and do nothing. We're just going to look at you menacingly and be like, what is happening? I don't know. Are we fighting? No, it's fine. It's just we play love fighting. Fight. It's not real we, fighting. Don't we love worry, each other. It's okay. Don't worry. Mommy and Daddy What's love each happening? other. <laughs> oh, my God. We're yelling about destiny and things. Alexa, have you ever felt compelled to 100% a game? I have 100%ed exactly four games. Okay. Three of them are Final Fantasy games. Surprise. Shocking. When you I say 100% in every Kingdom Hearts game? platinum no because some of those extra bosses make me want to puke and die um not in like the same playthrough like when i go back and replay those games i'll like blow through main stuff so i can and just or just grind so i can just go try the extra bosses that's a story for another podcast i don't want to get into that right now so anyway <laughs> the four games i have 100 percented 100 100 percented the one non-final fantasy game is middle earth shadow of mordor surprise the three Final Fantasy games are Final Fantasy X. Yes, I dodged every lightning bolt. Final Fantasy X-2. Yes, I got the stupid mascot costume, which you can only get if you've 100%ed everything else. And my least favorite Final Fantasy ever, Final Fantasy XII. Oh. Why, if it was your least favorite, why did you... Because I gave why, her... Why you because, forget? Because I, didn't, I wasn't liking it, and my friends were like... Well, you just gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta keep playing. Like you can't just gotta one hundred percent this game. <laughs> so I took, I took their criticism literally, and because I don't half-ass anything, I whole-ass one thing at a time. Ooh. I, okay. I completed. <laughs> I, I played this game to completion. Got the damn Zodiac Spear, got all the legendary weapons, beat all the extra bosses, including that really stupid fucking hard one that had no business being in that game. I got everything, and then I turned to my friends and said. I hate this game. You're wrong. You were wrong. This game is bad. I did the same thing. 
I, that's what I do. If I'm like doing something and someone is like, well, you just got to finish it. I will finish it to completion and then tell you you're wrong. I did that with the Twilight books and several friends of mine. Resulting in several lost friendships. <laughs> well, um, the Twilight well, books I mean, are like, an easy read. books, right? But it's it's that's it's, like it's, what like a day you could read all of them. Yeah, I read them all in like two days. But like, but like I 100 percent of that came and I was like, no, not for me. Um, it takes a lot. I'm 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 like 99 percent on Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and then I had to put it down because I had to move on to the next game that I was reviewing. Um, yeah, I have not. I don't really have the time to 100 percent games these days, which is like a little unfortunate but at the same time it's like i'm like not a hobbyist gamer i'm like a i have to play all the things so i can like do these things so yeah, yeah. i don't think i'll be 100 percenting anything else anytime soon i see y'all out there with their 999 power moons get out of here i know right that yeah. will not be me i am um, it's like people who've uh, yeah, gotten I'm all the shrines you, and korok seeds and breath of the wild 900 korok seeds oh. that's too many if you are someone who got all 900 korok seeds Wow. Why? Just why? Just why? I don't think I will 100% a game. I don't want to say ever again because that's too definitive, but like I don't have time or I don't rather I don't want to make the time for that I think at this point yeah I think some people they obviously have the time they might not have a career in games so they're able to dedicate that time and maybe you know finding all the Korok seeds is entertaining and cathartic to them that's probably why they do it but I understand you were asking literally why Steimer. yeah no Why? i was not literally it's a genuine question for an answer if you're listening to this podcast and you collected all 900 korok seats please tell us what compelled you to get them all there we go all Try right thank you. All. <laughs> and with that ladies and gentlemen we have arrived at the end of the what's good game podcast episode 28 we did it we did it we, we did, did it we're almost 30 yeah like me and Brittany. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Everyone's like, hooray! Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with us. Let us know what you guys think about trophies and achievements and 100%ing games or some of the games that we played in the What's Good segment or our hands-on segment. Mm-hmm. Um, my brain is starting to shut <laughs> They're up. all good segments. They're all good segments. Um, you can connect with us at facebook.com slash what's good games or on Twitter at what's good underscore games. Um, or sometimes on Instagram, we post some stuff. <laughs> What's good games official? Uh, we love hearing from you and seeing your photos and hearing your experiences. We also have a lovely What's Good Games fan page on Facebook. And a Discord channel. Fantastic mods. Oh, yeah, the Discord. I forget sometimes that we've got a Discord. Discord.gg slash What's Good Games. Um, I'm going to fully admit we haven't been paying enough attention to the Discord. Sorry. Uh, we're gonna get some mods in there, but right now it's kind of wild west because we don't we don't jump in there very wild often. West. Um, there's just a lot for just the four of us to manage, and we hope that you guys are understanding about that. Um, maybe someday we'll get our own Joey Noel. Until then, oh, we just take Joey. Yeah, we could just steal Joey. Is that, that is that blasphemous to say? Can we just yeah, take Joey? They actually nah. pay her. Yeah, but uh, what if we paid her <laughs> in wine and? Snacks. You can't pay rent with wine. Yeah, but what if she can just... you? I think you might be. If <laughs> she could nice live in our wine, studio, be like landlord. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this wouldn't be a great place to live. There's cameras everywhere. It'd be like Big Brother. 
Joey, if you're listening. <laughs> Be our big brother. Joey. Uh, we hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving. If you're here in the U.S., if you are one of our amazing international um, podcast or video listeners and watchers, I hit the wrong button. Sorry, if you're watching the video, I hit a button on the stream deck. We just returned to the king to the ending of this podcast. And everything went offline. Whoops. Now there's a software update that's on the screen. Okay, the podcast is over. Bye. Thank you so much for all your support. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. We are the professionals. Oh my God, that was so funny.